transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. Night has fallen pretty much everywhere. Night on Earth. But that's all right. We are the night people, and this is our time. But boy, everything sure is terrible. It's a weird kind of terrible for most of us for the moment. Check back in a half hour. We'll probably have some more breaking news updates for you. A pair of penguins broke out of the aquarium and they're on the loose. On jet skis. Probably somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico by now. You know where they're headed. The good people of Ogden, Utah have taken to pressing their bare buttocks against their living room windows each day at 4.45 p.m. while screaming in solidarity with nurses. Lasting freedom is forged in crisis. There was a panic in a local sprouts market in Maricopa County on Thursday when a wild peccary went rampaging through the bag snack aisle, leading to fears of javelina to human cross-contamination. Many were trampled beyond recognition. Shoppers, I mean. God save the pigs. Stocks dropped 112% in the first 42 seconds of trading this morning on fears that nobody has heard anything from Europe in about a week now. Oh, they're all right over there. I mean, what in the hell? The crew aboard the International Space Station announced on the TikTok that they are not coming back. No thanks, said Commander Eleanor Bargeld of the Space Force. And then you turn on the TV because you think, my God, it's all happening. I better see what's what. And you turn on the news channel and they've got eight or nine old rich people lined up behind a plexiglass desk and these people are unhinged. You can't even hear what they're saying and there's no news, of course. Not during the 45 minutes when you happen to tune in. Early on a weekday evening. Now this one's going to tell you stories behind the stories and that one's going to read 37 pages of court documents because there's a lot to unpack here, etc. But you know, we could probably just stick to the actual story for a bit. Kind of find out what's happening. The basics. As things stand. Which nobody knows, really. 
because it changes every six minutes and the stuff the expert from Harvard was telling you yesterday doesn't match up with the same expert from Harvard flapping their jaw on the TV tonight. Nothing quite as terrible as television. Oh, and by the way, did you catch me, your host, Ken Lane, on Ancient Aliens on the History Channel last weekend talking about the Integratron and George Van Tassel? It said Desert Oracle Publisher under my name, but it should have just said Hypocrite. Now, I don't want to mention... Second string Goodfellas up there coughing all over each other every day live because you shouldn't speak ill of the brain dead. So let's just change the subject. Talk about bunnies or something. Cottontails. It is Easter time almost. Happy spring, by the way. We just had the spring equinox. It was a beautiful day except for what was going on with the people. Mojave Cottontail sure is cute. Those cute little buddies. You just could not ask for a more beautiful spring in the desert southwest. I hope that's where you call home and that you're enjoying it. And if not, we'll see you after all this blows over. And I bet it's real nice right where you are. Who knew we could just turn off the smog? And the noise. took was a disaster to be able to get a drink to go a cocktail for the walk home you know why not now that we've stopped driving anywhere well I've been checking in with my mom I hope you're doing the same with your mom even your dad. But not Uncle T-Beb. He's sort of off his rocker. He's convinced Oprah's behind the super flu, and of course he keeps that Nutria out in the backyard with all those auto parts, and he calls that Nutria baby. And I swear I wouldn't be surprised if he sleeps with it. Anyway, this is what my mom had to say about why she is well-supplied and already was, and did not need to fight the mobs at the Costco or whatever. And how all this might be because of her mom, who lived through the Spanish flu of 1918. 
she says, I stock up. Probably due to the fact that my family was low income and whenever there was a sale on something, my mom bought extra stuff because she did not have much when she was growing up. I think it was also because she and her sister and two of the three brothers had just started working in a factory in Beaumont, Texas and came down with the 1918 flu. They had used most of the little money they had to rent a house. And they did not have much to eat until the next paycheck. They all came down with the 1918 flu, which killed many people, as you know. You've probably heard all this from me previously, but... Neither you nor I would be here today if they had died from that flu. They had no medicine, no money, and very little to eat. They might have survived because they were young and fairly healthy before getting the flu. But the Salvation Army was sending people out to provide soup, oranges, and aspirin. Which would be left on porches and doorsteps. And which helped my family get through that awful flu. I still give a donation every year to the Salvation Army. You're listening to Desert Oracle Radio, and I'm your host, Ken Lane, the only person here. Sort of like all the time, but now it's a little bit different. And we hear so much about people in their city apartments and the suburban people, but one thing, but one thing you don't hear about all too much is about the sparsely populated areas, the small towns, the rural towns, the people who live in the sticks and the bonies in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and before I lose my place here, the sounds you're hearing tonight are by Joshua Tree's own red, blue, black, silver. Listening to Desert Oracle Radio, and I'm your host, Ken Lane, the only person here. Sort of like all the time, but now it's a little bit different. And we hear so much about people in their city apartments and the suburban people lined up at the Costco. But one thing you don't hear about too much is what's going on in the less populated parts of 
our weird nation. So thanks to the magic of the telephone, we get to visit with our friends and comrades. As St. Paul said, there are no colleagues in a collapse, only comrades. And tonight we've got Terrence Ray from the beloved Trillbilly Workers Party podcast out of the great state of Kentucky. Welcome, Terrence. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. We last talked on your show a few months back. We did. Well, I guess we were talking mostly about invisible monsters, so everything's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, the, the the size of the monsters have shrunk down to, you know, microscopic level, but they are still around us everywhere. Yeah, so it's uh, it's good that we have that uneasy, constant dread with us. And you were about to tell me something about where you were from, which is not eastern Kentucky originally. What was that? I grew up in southeastern New Mexico, which I don't know if you've ever been down there. Uh, it is the desert. It's probably a little bit different from the desert you live in. You know, recently you had Anna Merlin on the show. She is a fellow New Mexican. That's right. And she's from Santa Fe, I believe. That's correct. And, um, but down in southeast, that's down by El Paso. That's right. Um, I'm, I grew up about three hours from El Paso um, in a little town called Hobbs, Hobbs, New Mexico. Hobbs, yeah. New Mexico. Why do, is, does that have anything to do with Buddy Holly? So Buddy Holly um, grew up in Lubbock, Texas, which is only about an hour and a half from Hobbs. That's where I, I was born in Lubbock, actually. Home of the Lubbock Lights. That's right. And um, Texas Tech University. Uh, Terrence, what the hell is crackling over there? I don't know. Is it um, is it on the sound itself, or does it sound like it's behind me? No, it's like a like a plug that's not in all the way. Hmm. I'm sorry, Ken. It's really our. It's like a, a staticky, but you don't hear it on bet- your end. I don't hear it on my end, but are you still hearing it? I'm just trying to I'm trying to nail it down. Yeah, I don't know what what that was. Well, I think you're probably right. I think that uh most people right now are communicating via telecom. Maybe as a result we flooded the bandwidth. We flooded the world's bandwidth. Look at that. That doesn't work in a crisis either. Nope. <laughs> I think I'm seeing a pattern. Very so. little of our system works in a crisis, Ken. That w- that would defeat the whole purpose. I yeah, I guess so. I guess I want to be a crisis. It would be uh, uh, what what do they call it on CNBC when things are are collapsing and they don't want to admit it? A, a road bump, a speed bump in the economy. <laughs> a speed bump. Yes. Uh, a blip. A hiccup. Yes. 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 It's time time to buy. We were talking about the small town that you're from, which is Hobbs, New Mexico. And we were also uh, talking about it's it's truly a desert thing to talk in three-hour distances about the the next town. Oh, it's only about three hours from El Paso. (laughs) Yeah, it's about three hours from El Paso. Um, Only about an hour and a half from Lubbock, Um, Lubbock, Texas. And that's and, uh, where you're you're actually from Lubbock. 
Well, I was born there. My family's mostly around. So my dad's side of the family's from Fort Stockton. Uh, so I know, I know you know about Marfa, but um, my dad's family's from this little place outside of Marfa called Imperial. My mom's family's from Hobbs. Part of New Mexico I'm from is the southern part, which means it's not quite the destination that people, and every time you tell somebody you're from New Mexico, they're like, you're a cow. <laughs> well, it's a little different than Taos. It's mostly oil rigs. It's more like Odessa or Midland or something. Exactly. A lot of creosote. Pretty flat, a lot of creosote. You, you have vinegar at where you're at. You ever heard of those? Yeah, we have. We People have the weird habit of calling them sun spiders here, which is, I don't know why. You know, they come out at night. Yeah. They're very fast. They're like, uh, how would you describe the beloved vinegaroon? Well, it's it's a very large insect, if this is the same one we're thinking of. People have, you're right, people have different names for them. But they look, they look very foreboding, very hairy. Don't you also have extremely large centipedes? We <laughs> do. In They're East Texas very large. and southern New Mexico? Yes. They're very large. We would always stay away from them. Another thing that we have... So let me paint a portrait. Maybe I can paint a portrait for you of Hobbs, New Mexico. Do that. Do that. Very flat. Like you said, a lot of creosote, mesquite bushes. Uh, we have um, horny toads. If you squeeze them, they'll spit blood out of their eyes. We have a lot of oil. You look out at the landscape and you see mostly oil derricks and oil rigs. Right now, with the economy crashing... One of the reasons the economy is crashing is because of the oil market and the oil industry in the Permian Basin. So where I'm from, they call it the Permian Basin because in the modern era, the place that you live is defined by the mineral in the ground. <laughs> yes, yes. Very resource-centric. Exactly. They call it the Permian Shale Basin. I think that in North Dakota, they've got the, ba- the back end the back oil end, filled. Yeah, which is yeah. filled. When I was there a couple of years ago doing some reporting there, it was filled with people from East Texas, people from Odessa and Midland coming up there for the oil jobs that are now all gone there. Just up until recently, up until the oil industry started collapsing, you would have a lot of these man camps. It was something like straight out of the 19th century. Uh, have you ever read that um, Western book, Warlock? I have not. Oh, Ken, I can't. Re- I can't recommend it enough. A Western um, called Warlock. Does it have actual <laughs> warlocks in it, like doing magic? <laughs> that would make it a lot better than it even already is. It's by Oakley Hall. I believe it was his only book that he ever wrote. All right, you know, I'm probably getting that wrong. I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. So, That's all right. That's all right. We're in a we're in a crisis. And we're, yeah. at, we're in a crisis. You know who who gets laid off first? The fact checkers. That's right. You you should read Warlock. It's yeah. It's it's based on Tombstone, like the story of the gunfight at the OK Corral. But it is very much. Uh, also a story about the Wobblies. Thomas Pynchon loved it. It was one of Thomas oh, Pynchon's favorite books. All right, that's a good endorsement. Whenever I think of man camps and resource extraction, I always think of Warlock because it was such a big part of the West and of the desert. It doesn't really get talked about very often. When we think about the West, we think about 
you know, the American idea is the cowboys and Indians. But the biggest story in the West is, uh, you know, not just displacement, but displacement and resource extraction. And that is Hobbes, New Mexico, to a T. So you've got oil, uh, you've got some cotton and peanut farms. But really the thing about Hobbes in Carlsbad and that whole area in southern New Mexico, the thing that to me really sums it up and, and kind of lends itself to the weird, surreal uh, elements of the desert is that it is one of the nation's premier locations for nuclear waste disposal. Oh, and yeah. I think we, we love to do that in the desert. It, it kind of makes sense. There's a lot of land. You dig a massive hole and you just dump a bunch into it. Now, through what series of life mistakes did you go from there to another heavily resource exploited place in Appalachia? Well, back in 2012, I had just graduated college and I was looking for a job. I worked at UPS and I was miserable. I got a job at, you could call it a job, but it was um, through AmeriCorps, the AmeriCorps VISTA program. You ever heard of the VISTA program? Oh, I, I know VISTA, an uh, old friend of mine, Mojo Nixon, after he graduated in North Carolina, he worked for VISTA, as he used to say, organizing winos. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> the VISTA program, for those in your audience that may not know, it was started in the 1960s in the War on Poverty. The VISTAs would go into uh, these impoverished communities in New Mexico and Appalachia, in, uh, all over the U.S., in the Deep South, the Delta, and inner city Chicago and whatnot. And their whole um, raison d'etre was uh, to... Uh, basically fight poverty. They had the very vague mission of fighting poverty. Again, this was in the, when the government actually tried to manage the contradictions of capitalism and and actually tried to alleviate poverty because it was, you know, unseemly for a developed nation like ours. Over time, the program has been so gutted that now it's basically a job placement program for nonprofits. So... Um, right. We see them at our local land trusts out here in the desert. Exactly. That's uh, exactly. AmeriCorps right. seasonal hires usually on college break or just out. So that's what happened. I got hired at, I originally wanted to go back to New Mexico. I was a college student at the University of Texas in Austin. And I thought, you know, I want to go back to New Mexico, work on environmental issues around fracking and oil. But just through some stroke of fate, uh, Someone offered me a job out here, and I thought, why not? It's a lot like New Mexico in some ways. And that's how I wound up in Kentucky. I just never left. So you're in Whitesburg, and that is... You're kind of by the gaps there, right? Cumberland Gap. Yeah. And then there's another gap kind of due south of you. What is it, Pennington Gap or something? That's right, Pennington Gap in southwest Virginia. Right, the, the tri-state area. You look at, as many of us have been forced to look at the internet even more than we did before when we had anything else to do, and you got people talking about being in apartments and not really able to go out and do much. 
and it's different in rural America. I'm in a town of about 20,000. I'm on the edge of it. So 10 times bigger than Whitesburg, I guess. <laughs> Just about. Uh, yeah, we're, we have about 2,000. And I imagine we have a pretty similar scene as far as retail and fine dining and other such things. Uh, but describe Whitesburg on a normal weekday. On a normal weekday, you've got uh, a thriving little downtown. It's kind of thriving and kind of not. Ever since the coal industry went bust, it's, you know, you've got some shuttered storefronts, but it's mostly still pretty uh, energetic. You've got people running around and you know everybody. You know, you know the mayor by name. and It's just about like Northern Exposure. Remember that show? From yeah. the early 90s? <laughs> little, little town in what, Alaska? Alaska, yeah. That, should, that shows where Sarah Palin got her start, right? Sarah Palin and David Chase of Sopranos fame. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know they were married. The things you learn, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. A long time ago, there was no internet. Right, right. Whitesburg is, um, it sits right on the north fork of the Kentucky River. So you got a nice little lazy river going through town and uh, people walking about, and, you know, greeting each other. Um, but in the last few days, uh, things are just a little bit weird, probably like that in your town, too, and in most cities in, in America. Everything's just there's just a little tension in the air. No one's quite sure what to do with it. As you know, Ken, it, you've got haulers uh, that most of the communities around here started out as centered around the particular nook in a mountain that the people lived in. And the coal industry, when it came in in the late 19th century, kind of started to rearrange that with coal camps and coal towns and railroad towns. But it is still more or less the same. It's You've got people living right next to the creek in a little mountain holler. Out west, you may call them hollows, but around here, they're called hollers. <laughs> right. The ho holler is supposedly the way that it was pronounced in... 17th century England. That, I didn't know that, but that makes sense. <laughs> and it is one of the delights of existence that Appalachia has preserved the way that people spoke in England 400 years ago. So when you think, you know, oh, it sounds kind of strange, it sounds kind of backwoods, well, you know, Shakespeare probably spoke that way. <laughs> Can you imagine? We ought, really to, hope we ought to do like a King Lear all in, in Appalachian slang, <laughs> nasal accents. I'd be all for that. I think it would be a huge hit. It might be better than those those actors croaking Imagine into Instagram that everybody was outraged over. It's good to know that in times of crisis, you can have millionaires forcing you to listen to them sing John Lennon. To me, that's a pretty comforting thought. That really is the oppression of the working classes defined right there. You know, it's, it's not Big Brother, it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> Thank you for listening and good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs>